Welcome to the Hillside Podcast. We trust that you'll be impacted by listening to today's message. Yeah, I usually, I usually start my preaches by saying um, just how much I procrastinated actually preparing for this preach. Um, so yeah, I pretty much finished last night <laughs> and got most of it done yesterday. So yeah, we were kept it nice and tight this time. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I just want to say like it's always a privilege to be able to speak here. Um, this has been my home for flip, like 16 years now. Um, and so yeah, it's like I said, just such an honor for, for me to, to be here and, and chat to you guys. Um, yeah, tonight I, can't, I wanted to take us back to some of the basics and, and what Luke and what Steve ha- had to say was, was like spot on. I was like, yes, uh, winning. Um, yeah, because mainly why I want to go back to the basics is, is because we, we tend to forget those things in our, in our day-to-day lives. We, we get so busy um, doing the, the day-to-day activities that, that those the sort of basics kind of fall under the, under the radar. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to start off by reading a passage from this book. It is, it's called The Pursuit of God, and it's by A.W. Tozer. It's amazing. If you haven't read it, do it. Um, so yeah, it kind of goes, <clears throat> and this is from a chapter called Following Hard After God. The whole transaction of religious conversation has been made mechanical and spiritless. Faith may now be exercised without a jar to the moral life and without embarrassment to the demic ego. Christ may be received without creating any special love for him in the soul of the receiver. The man is saved, but he is not hungry nor thirsty after God. In, f- in fact, he is specifically taught to be satisfied and encouraged to be content with little. The modern scientist has lost God amid the wonders of his world. We Christians are in danger of losing God amid the wonders of his word. We've almost forgotten that God is a person, and as such can be cultivated as any person can. It is inherent in personality to be able to know other personalities, but full knowledge of one personality by another cannot be achieved in one encounter. It is only after long and loving mental intercourse that the full possibilities of both can be explored. All social intercourse between human beings is a response of personality to personality, grading upwards from the most casual brush between man and man to the fullest, most intimate communion of which the human soul is capable. Religion, so far as it is genuine, is in essence the response of created personalities to the creating personality, God. This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Yeah. So the one part out of that which says, we have almost forgotten that God is a person, and as such can be cultivated as any person can. How often do we forget that, that God is present and right with, with us right now, and he wants to commune with us and... Be and build a relationship with us. I find myself in this position every now and then, especially when life gets busy. Um, it seems like there is, is more press, and yeah, it seems like there's more pressing needs in, in life. We, we kind of, I'll be going through, I'll have 
work that I need to do or whatnot, and, and just kind of, I lose track of, of my, my relationship with him, um, that it's a day-to-day -day process. And yeah, ultimately we end up, yeah, cutting ourselves off from the very thing that sustains us. Um, <clears throat> my recent story, which was a couple of weeks ago, I was driving to a friend's house, which was Steve, um, and yeah, on the, on the way I was, well, kind of at this, this time I was in a space where I just wasn't very, like wasn't feeling very intimate with God. It had been quite a dry patch. Um, and you know, I just, I was kind of struggling with, with that intimacy with him. I felt very like hard in my heart. Um, and yeah, I just kind of felt like I was going through the motions of being a Christian. Um, go to church, I don't know, do the right things, show up, show your face. Um, that's, that's kind of, was the gist of that, that time. And, um, sorry, am I, am I coming through? Okay, okay, sick. Um, yeah, and basically, even, like, even coming to church felt like a little bit like a chore. I was like, oh, this is just like an obligation. Um, at that time. Anyway, so I'm driving along to Steve's house and I decided to listen to some worship music, which for a while I hadn't been listening to any worship in the car. Yeah, I know. It's very, very dangerous times. Um, but yeah. <laughs> and the one song that in that, that time that had been really impacting me and, and kind of speaking to my heart was, is, it's called Waymaker. Uh, we, we've sung it a few times in church, well, a lot of times in church. Um, <laughs> and it's, I mean, I, I love it. It's, I think it's my favorite song at, at the moment. Um, and some of the, lyric, the when the, the chorus comes in, it goes, you are a way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. And so it, while, while this is kind of, blaring in the car, um, I kind of feel like the walls around my heart just starting to break. Um, and, you know, just kind of cracking. And it was, it was weird because I was like, oh, like I haven't felt this way in a long time. It was, it was this, like, rawness. Um, and, you know, suddenly I was aware that I'd been seeing myself as kind of a forgotten son, um, the, the way I thought of, of, of my identity at the time, I was like, no, I, I've been left behind. Um, everyone else is moving forward. They're doing amazing things in the kingdom. And like, look at me, like I've, I'm not doing much. Um, and while this, when I realized this, I then started hearing the father's heart uh, or the father. And he, he just started speaking, speaking to me like a son. And I could hear his voice again, like just pouring over me and pouring truth over who, who I am, um, just speak identity. And kind of what I realized from this sort of moment was that I'd, forgot, I'd forgotten who I was and I'd forgotten who I was because I'd forgotten who God was. So yeah, I, I, I wanted the, the basic thing, that the, the part that I want to take us back to, which seems so normal because we, we've spoken about it so many times, 
but I feel like it just, I, I felt like it needed to be kind of hammered home again. Um, yeah, was, just to, sorry, I lost my place. Yeah, yeah, just to remind you of who God is um, and through knowing who God is, knowing who you are, um, if, that's, if that's what you need. Um, I don't deny that there'd probably be people here who know exactly who they are, and that's amazing. Um, but yeah, just speaking to the people that, yeah, just need to be reminded of this. So God is a father, and that word might carry negative connotations for you if this is the first time that you're hearing this. Um, so first and foremost, yeah, I just, I just, yeah, I wanted to kind of break down what, what him being a father is and, and him being a perfect father is. Um, So first and foremost, we're described as his children. And if we look back at the creation story, which is specifically Genesis 1, 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish and the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So that whole passage ultimately just speaks about a father creating a world specifically for his pleasure and his glory, and at the pinnacle of his creation is us. Um, and there's, there is no other purpose for us but to be loved by him um, and being, being in unity with him and exploring our home that he's, that he's built for us. Um, and kind of, yeah, C.S. Lewis sort of conveys the love that God has for us in this quote, and I thought it was, yeah, quite, quite good. God needs nothing. Oh, God, who needs nothing, loves into existence wholly superfluous creatures, superfluous meaning unnecessary, in order that he may love and perfect them. He creates the universe, already foreseeing the buzzing cloud of flies above the cross, the flayed back pressed against the uneven stake, the nails driven through the median nerves. If I may dare the biological image, God is a host who creates his own parasites, causes us to be that we may exploit and take advantage of him. Herein is love. This is the diagram of love himself the inventor of all loves. So, yeah, I mean, the guy who made Narnia called us parasites. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a parasite. Um, but yet, you can see that God doesn't need us. He already is wholly sufficient in himself. But he chooses to have relationship with us. Even with the foresight that we would abandon him, worship other things, curse him, and even kill him on a cross, even with that foresight, he still loves us and created us. Um, so kind of there's, there's two stories that kind of stand out to me as, as like kind of demonstrating God's his love and his grace and, and kind of, for me at least, explain and show him as the father that he is. And the first is the prophetic act in Hosea. In the story, God tells Hosea to take a wife 
but not just any wife. He tells him to marry a prostitute and to love her and take her into his house and, and truly like, take her as his wife. And this was done to demonstrate God's dedication to, well, he was speaking to Israel, but I guess we, we can talk about us as, as people. Um, but his dedication to his people that when, spiritually, when they had been spiritually prostituting themselves, going to other gods, worshiping other things, um, he still had a desire to be in relationship with them and to love them even when they would run away and be unfaithful. And kind of to put that into context, like what I, what I often do is think like, hey, how would I feel if this was happening to me? Um, but to like feel like your significant other, like if, if they were to abandon you, that pain would be substantial. That would be like the epitome of, of pain. Um, and then to like wholeheartedly still love them and have grace for them. And never, like, there's no, like, oh, you need to build back up into trust. Like, I can't trust you for a while. Like, you can only be a son or you can only be my bride later on. It's like you abandon him and when you come back, he is fully engaged. There's no, he's never taken away his love. And that, that for me just, I mean, it sounds insane and it, seems foolish as well. It's like a foolish kind of love to us, but that, that is why he is love. The other, the other story, that's one that we all know, is, is the prodigal son. Um, so obviously we know the son left the father, demanding his, his inheritance before the father died, um, essentially meaning the father had to divide everything in half and give it to his son. Um, which I guess, I mean, that kind of shows, like, he still supports our choices. Like, even, like, if, if we don't want to be in a relationship with him, he doesn't force us to be there. He's like, yeah, you can, you can do what, what you want to do, but, like, I'm still, like, anyway, we'll get to the end part. <laughs> um, just going off topic, yeah. Um, yeah, so anyway, we know, so the son then leaves, and I guess by taking his inheritance and leaving, he's kind of like declaring like, you, you're not, I don't want to be in a relationship with you. To me, you are, are dead. Like, all that matters is my inheritance, which I would have gotten only when you died, essentially. So we'll know he goes away to a far away land. He gets up to all sorts of shenanigans um, with women and partying, Etc. And the land that he was in falls under hard times, and he, he, he's like, nah, if I go back, like, even if I'm just a servant, I'll get more than what I'm getting here. And on his return to his father's house, the father sees him, has compassion for him. Instead of running, uh, in, instead of turning his back on his son, he runs to him, he embraces him. He kisses him, puts a ring on his finger, and brings him back and instills his place as a son in the family. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's so good. <laughs> yeah, I think, like, part of, like, the, the, the big thing that kind of also stands out 
in that story is there was no like like in the the, the other story there was no you need to work your way up being a servant first and so I can trust you to be a son again. It was just immediate, like, this is your rightful place. And that, that is, like, that's so important to remember, especially, like, just in the church when, when people come in and, um, yeah, I, I think oftentimes people that have run away and come back, they, they, you feel the shame over you that you've you stepped away and people saw that you were living this life and now you, you're back and you feel like you have to build people's trust. But just know, like, I don't know, if this means anything to anyone in here, you don't have to work your way up. You're already wholeheartedly grafted back in. Anyway, so we can see through these stories that part of who God is and is, is that, yeah, he's, he's a father and he, he's a good and perfect father. Um, and he's obviously so much more to that. There's, I mean, there's so many words you could use to describe him, but I feel like bringing it back down to the reality is that we need to remember that he is good. He is for us, and he wants to walk with us through life. So in, in conclusion, I just wanted to read the next passage from what I read earlier out of The Pursuit of God. And it's kind of, yeah, it follows on from from where we left off. And it says, God is a person, and in the deep of his mighty nature, he thinks, wills, enjoys, feels, loves, desires, and suffers as any other person may. In making himself known to us, he stays by the familiar pattern of personality. He communicates with us through avenues of our minds, our wills, and our emotions. The continuous and unembarrassed interchange of love and thought between God and the soul of the redeemed man is the throbbing heart of the New Testament religion. So in closing, I just want to encourage you that if you've been going through, through a season where, like me, you'd, you've forgotten who God is and, and through that, if forgotten who you are, um, yeah, just just know that he is good. Come on. He holds nothing against you. Nothing in your past or your future can change his heart for you. He is your father. He is your perfect father. And he deeply wants to connect with you. So yeah, I'm just going to pray over you guys. Um, and yeah, I also just want to say before, before that, like, if anyone wants to come up afterwards and, yeah, I'd just love to pray for you if, like, your heart, you, you just want to feel that intimacy with, you, uh, with him again or, yeah, whatever you need. Yeah, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, that you're right here in this room, that you're in us, that you're working in us. Yeah, Father, I just ask that you, you begin to break down walls in, in, in our hearts, any, any places where we've hardened ourselves to maybe protect ourselves or, yeah, whatever the reason is, Father, I just declare those, those cracks to, to start opening up, that we would start to hear your voice clearly again, that we would hear your heart for us, Father. Thank you that you are a good, good Father that you hold nothing back from us. 
that your grace, we can't even begin to understand what it covers. Yeah, so Father, I bless everyone in this room. Bless them as they go through their week, as they spend just their, their quiet times with you, Father, that you'd speak into those places. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear your story if you've been encouraged by this episode. You can connect with us on Facebook or leave a review on our podcast.